Hello, everybody. My name is Aaron Fletcher-Smith, and over there is Dan Grubb. Hello. And this is the Dan and Aaron Lycorama. Music! Fantastic. That, that was good. That was, that was, uh, that was um, uh, 80s pop, if uh, I'm uh, not too mistaken. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. 80s pop and 70s mom. Excellent. Well, that's that's good that you did that with uh, such accuracy because the person we're going to talk about today is one of the forefathers of um, 80s pop as well as European techno and electronica. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I will uh, caveat before I say his name that this is not the creator of techno music or electronica. He is one of the many forefathers, uh, forebearers, uh, if you will, of, of um, electronic music. Uh, hey, but... is it many or is it four? <laughs> four. Like, four. So anyway, um, <laughs> the, um, the person we're going to talk about today is uh, Giovanni Giorgio Moroder. And um, he is... Uh, I've got this note at the top here, and, and let me explain why I did the, the caveat about um, the creator of techno slash electronica. Um, Marauder is, um, you, you have two groups of individuals that are creating um, the idea of a constantly repeating 4-4 time beat. Uh, kind of coming out of Europe at the same time. You've got uh, Giovanni Giorgio Moroder, who, um, in the Daft Punk song... My name is Giovanni Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio. Um, and then you also have Kraftwerk. And okay. Giorgio and Kraftwerk are relatively concurrent. They are out of, they are out of Europe. And, you know, that's largely a movement that starts in, in Germany in, in right. the uh, 60s and 70s. Um, about 15 years later... Uh, uh, so in, when... I'm sorry, ahead. we're, yeah. we're talking uh, 60s and 70s, so like... Yes, yes. Like uh, when the synthesizers that are like a black box with a bunch right. of plugs... Right, alligator clips and dials, not right. like a keyboard. No, this is a synthesizer. Or a drum machine. Right, this is a synthesizer that looks like an oscilloscope or like you know a piece yeah. of science lab equipment. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So this is the dawn of the synthesizer as a piece of electronic music equipment itself, concurrent to the creation of the genre, um, and that's that's. Through the decade of, I would say, you know, kind of mid 1960s into mid 1970s, um, you've got Moog, uh, the guys creating these, as well as um, uh, STS Electronics and yeah. Telefunken, um, which are um, great, great, great name, freaking fantastic name, yeah, which are which are all kind of working on producing these. Uh, uh, um, electronic music machines all around the same time and that's then like these guys that's like something you would hear on a on a parliament record 
Yeah, right. What right. are you doing, Bootsy? I'm telefunking. <laughs> oh, you working from home? <laughs> <laughs> it's like 1978. I'm telefunking. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but the, the the cool thing is that, um, yeah, so the last bit of that little uh, thing that I wrote at the top is that elect, uh, European electro... Um, Electronica um, is about a decade before uh, it becomes a thing, really, in the United States. Um, Mid eighties okay, is yeah. where you get Detroit techno, which is kind of the the forebearers of the the, the whole techno music thing it's, itself. And Detroit techno is a byproduct of DJ sets, which are being done behind rappers through the early eighties, right. right? So you got oh, you got man. these guys that become so good. At, at mixing a set of turntables and creating a, 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 a really fantastic beat for these guys to rap over that it, what they can do as turntable artists becomes so amazing and fascinating that it develops its own following. That is a separate, whole separate podcast that we can do at another point. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. This is all... Um, this is largely going to talk about Giorgio... Uh, with some dips into craft work and and where there is overlap um, uh, and and how it's applicable. Um, so you know where there's some overlap. Where is there overlap? On the autobahn. <laughs> we have fun, fun, fun on the autobahn. I'll tell you. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. that was good. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening Ooh. to the album earlier today. It, it's it's freaking fantastic. As a techno you, guy, I dig it. I love it. The only stuff that I know about Kraftwerk is uh, jokes from Craig Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if I've heard a Kraftwerk song. I I, I, I know they're German techno people. That's I it. had to put myself in the mood, so I listened to um, Autobahn. Uh, the album, and then I listened to a little bit of that. So, Autobahn is 1974, and then I listened to um, Trans Europe Express, which is the next album, 1977. I listened okay. to just a little bit of that while I was working on putting this together. Um, all right, so Zoom Out. The um, reason I decided to do this is because um, Daft Punk broke up recently, and um, oh, yeah, I, that's right. Yeah, and I, I really love their stuff. Um, I Daft Punk has a lot of great music. Um, and yeah, the, for a long time, too. Yeah, and the, the thing that I think is really wild mm. is that as they matured as artists, um, <clears throat> they started to realize that doing like European synth pop alone was not going to uh, keep them afloat. So they, they started... Um, working with different artists and, and that working with different artists just slowly evolved and evolved and evolved um, and the, the the album which everybody considers to be kind of the the high point of their career uh, Random Access Memories has yeah. it has so many different artists on it from so many different eras um, and the, the one that I uh I started listening to that album again um, after you know it got announced that they broke up, 
And I came back to this one song that I kept skipping, um, which was Giorgio by Marauder. Because it's this dude, just this old sounding dude, kind of describing disco. And I was like, I don't really care about that. So I went back and I listened to it. Uh, um, I just, uh, I, had, I had all of the Dash Punk library just kind of shuffling in the house. And I finally, I was doing the dishes and I, I, I sat there and kind of listened to him describing it. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, that's really fascinating. That's really cool what he's describing. Hmm. Um, and, and, and what he describes is paralleled on the actual, the Moog website themselves, because it, it's, Moog has their, their the, this corner of their site that's entirely dedicated to the story of Giorgio. And I think that the story of Giorgio and the evolution of Moog as going from just a, like you were talking about, like a 1950s oscilloscope style synthesizer into a thing that you could, you know, put right next to the keyboard and treat like a keyboard, uh, I think it kind of runs concurrent to uh, Giorgio Moroder himself. Hmm. Um, cool. It, the, the story that is on both the, um, the Daft Punk album on, or in the Daft Punk song is on Giorgio's website his, himself and is on the Moog website is this story about how he wanted to produce an uh, produce an album with the sounds of the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and the sound of the future. And <laughs> um, so that album was the Donna Summer single, I Remember Yesterday, uh, which Giorgio both produced and did backup instrumentals on. Okay. And the way the story goes is that uh, the album, so so, the Donna Summer song "I Feel Love" is on the B side. The A side is supposed oh. to be a classical reflection of songs from the 1940s through 1960s. And then the idea is that when you flip it over to the B side, that the B side is supposed to be the quote unquote sound of the oh, future. Oh, right? cool! And that includes. So when is that? When is "I Feel Love"? Is seventy-seven? Yeah, summer of seventy-seven. Wow. Yeah, and if you yeah, that's kind of far ahead for seventy-seven. Uh huh. Exactly. That's a cool. I mean, that's a cool song. Yeah, yeah, Like that's cool. Yeah. When you think about that, that that um synthesized beat backing up Donna Summer, where it's like you know, and she's singing over it, in and and it's so wild the way that they kind of. Uh, chocolate and peanut butter because they are <laughs> almost um, they are musical styles that you would never think would work together and yet there it is you know yeah. early 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 electronica backing up soul singer Donna Summer and it works and it, and it works super well and the, again it comes back to quote unquote the way the story goes is that um, at some point in summer of 77, Brian Eno apparently comes to David Bowie's apartment and puts the copy of uh, uh, I Feel Love on and says, this is it. I have heard the sound of the future. <laughs> Whoa, you did yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, and I, I think what I, I think this is one of those where it's kind of this drug induced haze of everybody has a variation of this story. Uh, and somebody somewhere said the sound of the future and either Giorgio Moroder or, 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 you know, 
I don't know, you know, Donna Summer or David Bowie or Brian Eno. One of them said it, the rest of them probably had, you know, a couple drinks, cocktail hour, conversed about it, and they all agreed that they liked, you know, the way that that sounded. Oh, yeah, 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 that does, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was the same thought we had or something like that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Because it seems to be... The, the quote it seems to be attributed to at least three different people as I've been, re as I've been reading through the, uh, the, the story. Um, but yeah, so um, you've got... So, uh, date mark, you've got that going on in 1977. Parallel to this, you've got um, Kraftwerk uh, starting up in 74... Uh, or no, actually starting up in, in, I think it was like 69 to 70, um, as a group, okay. as a group of friends that, you know, really like playing with electronics with each other. Um, and then that, that steamrolls into eventually they get together and they've taken, they have this, uh, um, this, uh, uh, um, lab slash recording studio that they call the, uh, the Kling Klang Theater. Um, okay. and, and that's what, that's what Kraftwerk refers to as their hybrid slash lab slash recording studio, where they make these things. They make these synthesizers and they, and they build them. And, and some of the, the, the one of the things that I think is, is really wild is, um, a bit that came out of the reading that I did on Kraftwerk is that they actually have some patents on some of the things that they came up with in terms of audio synthesizing and in terms of creating an automated beat that's based on a repeating pattern. Oh, uh, cool. Which is like awesome, right? Because it's like, yeah. it's craft work, it's haha, the Autobahn, but at the same time, <laughs> these dudes were the ones that patented, you know, these bits and pieces of what we now consider to be, you know, part and parcel of standard electronic and techno music. Mm -hmm. um, they are one of the first groups to use a vocoder, um, and right. you, um, vocoder is um, like you know dropping Darth Vader's voice a little bit, um, Soundwave and Transformers, um, any any time that there's like kind of weird analog overlay distortion over a character's voice in the '80s, that's that's a vocoder. Um, and Kraftwerk was one of the first groups to really make use of that, and that's 74, because they do that on Autobahn. Um, well, if you don't, again, from Craig Ferguson, yeah. if you don't have that equipment, you can just talk through a harmonica. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah, right. Um, I think this is good. <laughs> <laughs> Ravage, eject. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, a sound wave imitation. Right. Why? Okay, here, so here's the big question. Why did Giorgio Moroder beat Kraftwerk to the punch in terms of um, the rest of the world in the 80s picking up on Electronica? And the answer is Giorgio had enough success through the 60s and the 70s with his own music that he started a production studio and he got himself involved in music production and oh. he was able to leverage his involvement as a producer and later on as a soundtrack composer 
to popularize. He didn't build new instruments the way that like Kraftwerk was like, we're gonna own, we're gonna own this. We're gonna own the 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 idea of being electronica, and we're gonna we're gonna build the instruments and we're gonna play the instruments and we're gonna go and we're gonna tour. And our whole thing is we we are we are going to live electronica. We are going to live Europop. They still tour today. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. but they are immensely reclusive. Uh, they do limited interviews, um, and they they are really just you know they they're also very closed lid in terms of the technology that they produce. There, there are still bits of technological innovation that come out of the Kling Klang lab that then kind of are passed down almost you know like like sermons on the mount to groups like Sony. Uh, you know, in terms of like filtering technology and stuff like that, and yeah. then everybody changes the way that they do filtering technology because, oh shit, Kraftwerk has spent twenty years on it and they figured it out. You know, <laughs> right, right, but, right, yeah. But that was not so. That was not Giorgio Moroder's interest. Giorgio Moroder's interest was, you know, I really like the way that this sounds. I had a degree of success using it in my music in the '60s and through the beginning of the '70s. I think the rest of the world would really dig this. Let's bring this to the world and let's let's see what they think. Um, well, I mean, yeah, he... I mean, if he's like, I have this cool idea, I wonder what it would sound like with Donna Frickin' Summer. Yeah, exactly. You know, I will right. survive Superstar. Right. Yeah, you're going to get a pretty big audience from her. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And and it was... It As was... opposed to four German guys that like 10 people have heard of. Right, right, right. It's like three years have passed. They are technological innovators that are like steampunk artificers of the world, and <laughs> they made another record, right? You know, and, and like the, their 400 fans go, oh, yes, <laughs> then it's another album out. Sorry, I won't do that this again. Is uh, <clears throat> this is very good news. But via German, so this is our excited sound. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, I'm not going to get much more happy than this. Um, it, it is no longer acceptable for for too many Germans to be excited about something that is frowned upon in the right, later right. 20th century. Right, and then they slick their <laughs> hair back and they go on sprockets to dance. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, so we'll, we'll do the quick jump back for a second here. Um, Maroder was born in the 40s. Um, he was, he's actually from Italy. Um... He was born in um, South Tyrol, which was then known as the Kingdom of Italy. Um, hey, we talked about that place when we were talking it, about uh, um, Dumas, Alexander Dumas. Dumas yeah, uh, a couple months ago. Yep, yep. Cool. So he starts there. Um, is uh, he? He then. Um, he grows up in this mixed Latin, and it comes back, I think, parallels a lot of what you were talking about with Dumas, the byproduct of the fact that there is that, you know, cross-pollination of multiple cultures in the quote-unquote kingdom of Italy. Um, he ends up with mixed Latin, German, and Italian uh, speaking capabilities. So he's like oh, trilingual. Cool. He ends up later adding English to that. Uh, um, and... Um, he spends 40s through 50s, uh, you know, growing up with his family in Italy. Um, late 50s, early 60s, he 
really kind of gets into the disco and the, the, the discotheque idea as the discotheque music is becoming popular through the early 60s. Um, moves to... Uh, uh, this part I'm not 100% sure on. He either moves to Germany or he's driving to Germany from Italy, which is a okay. thing you could do. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a maybe a day plus drive, but it's possible. Yeah. Um, you drive there's highways over the Alps. Right. Go right. Switzerland he, or Austria, yeah. He talks in the Daft Punk song about the fact that he lived out of his car. He's very sweet about it. He says, you know, I lived I lived out of my car, which is the only thing I could do. And um he and then he talks about the fact that you know he 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 would um, do these sets. He would he would either DJ or he would you know um, play his 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 own new music, which is mostly kind of assembled music uh, uh, using synthesizers and stuff like that, um, and a little bit of instrumental music as well. Um, through the 1960s, he'd also do some you know DJing uh, for the discotheques in. Um, Aachen, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. It's either Aachen or Aachen, Germany. Um, later oh, on, yeah, Aachen. Aachen, okay. Uh, later I on, know. I don't know either. <laughs> Based on my couple years of German in high school. Right, right, right. God bless you, Aachen. Um, <laughs> Gesundheit. Yeah, yeah, that one was too easy. I'm sorry. That's when um, uh, when Dalsim from Street Fighter says it. <laughs> Gesundheit. Yeah, right. Um, oh wait, no, that was Hadouken. Dulcim said, "Yoga fire, yoga yeah, fire." <laughs> I like that we did that in stereo. Um, <laughs> oh, so we're idiots uh, with yeah. children. Yeah, which is like even more frightening. I question that every once in a while. Uh, how the... <laughs> Shouldn't someone take these kids from us? Right, <laughs> right, right. We're too stupid. Who trusted us to be parents? My God, what a logic, logistical failure that was. Um, all right, so um, Giorgio, 60s, uh, DJing, playing some music, doing a little bit of synth music um, through um, uh, various cities in metropolitan Germany. Um, he has enough success with a series of songs, including a single that is called looky looky <laughs> that okay. went gold yeah I, it's, <laughs> you it's, love it? yeah it's 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 europe right so it's one of those where it's like okay you know there's a um they have different you know anyway um it went it goes gold in 1969 then he has success with a a song called son of my father in in 1972 um which he actually partially did um the instrumental work on it and um, also, uh, part of the work on that on that single was done by a, a UK group called Chicory Tip. Um, that's 1972. Okay. Um, but it's there's enough success and there's enough money coming in from that that he creates Musicland Studios. Um, and Music Musicland Studios, the, that label gives him the jumping off point to start um, again coming back to that word that you and I are uh, really enjoying in the Art Blakey um, podcast. He gets an opportunity to cross-pollinate with several yeah. uh, international artists. Um, the biggest one is definitely um, Donna Summer, uh, with whom he was a regular collaborator through the 80s. Um, and then um, 1978, he does the single uh, called Chase, 
which becomes the theme for the film Midnight Express. Um, okay. He, 1979, he composes and produces the soundtracks for the movies Foxes and American Gigolo. And, American Gigolo, yeah. Yeah, and the, one of the songs on um, Foxes is... Uh, oh, no, wait. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. That's, that's the wrong movie. Sorry. Um, but yeah, American Gigolo also features uh, the Donna hit Summer on the radio, which again, Giorgio produces and co-writes. Um, yeah, cool. I think it's either 79 or 80. He then produces uh, Call Me by Blondie. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, which is not That's only... Awesome song. Yeah, Call Me! Yeah, which is not only a US and UK number one hit, but it's now part of our cultural lexicon. It's like when you think of Blondie, yeah. that's one of the first songs that comes into your head. Absolutely. Um, he wrote the 82. He writes the soundtrack to the movie Cat People, which includes the song Cat People featuring David Bowie. Uh, he actually yeah. works with... He then works several times afterwards with Bowie on producing uh, occasionally, stepping in as necessary for the you know any of the Bowie albums. Okay, um, cool. He does 83. He does Tony Montana's theme and the soundtrack to the film Scarface. Oh, um, good lord. Okay. But, I mean, oh. this is the thing, though, is that this is... So you're now into the 80s, right? Yeah, Which means yeah, that you're yeah. also now into the era of Vangelis and Blade Runner. Um, you right. know, um, oh, I can't remember uh, what the name of the synth artist that does the the uh, um, ambient audio behind... Um, oh, no, I think it was Vangelis. I think it was Vangelis that does the background for Apocalypse Now. Um, so this is oh, this okay. this is this thing, is that everybody's like, no symphonies, no symphonies. You know, this we're we're doing a weird head trip movie. Um, <laughs> you know, let's get a synth artist in. You know, yeah, I need. Um, yeah, right, right. I need. Yeah, exactly. When the when the main character wakes up, I want to hear this. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, 84 is kind of neat. Um, he's, uh, Giorgio Moroder is the one that um, compiles together a new restoration of um, the silent film Metropolis, and then he scores it. Um, so he re-edited Metropolis, or he, he worked with the editors? He, he worked with the editors, and he <clears throat> re he restored the very garbagey footage from the 1927 original version of it so that it was cleaned up and presentable oh, uh, wow. so that you could put it on a modern, you know, um, theater screen and it would be nice and clear. Very wow. similar to, and this is 84. So this is decades before people are doing like the artificial intelligence 4K upscaled resolution versions of like 70s, 80s, 90s movies, which yeah, you're seeing yeah. nowadays. This is 84, so it's it's almost all analog. Whoever, you know, I didn't yeah, do a lot of digging there, but... Tape or yeah, film. Yeah, right. <clears throat> and and whoever he had do it, I mean, I've watched that version of Metropolis. My wife and I watched it a few years back. And it, it, it it's groovy. It's a little janky. It's, mm -hmm. um... It's it's the fact that the the music... You're watching the movie and you're listening to the music 
and they don't feel like they fit together, but uh, at least I didn't. I didn't feel like they fit together, but definitely sure. you you can tell where uh, Giorgio Moroder's head was, and, and you could definitely kind of feel that, you know... The, the thing that's really interesting about Metropolis as a film is that it's 1927, but the look of the movie Metropolis has such visual uh, impact on the way that dystopian science fiction is done that yeah. um, you you look at like like Terry Gilliam's Brazil, um, you look at yes. Blade Runner, um, you look at uh, A Shape of Things to Come, which was done <clears throat> in the 50s, and it's all of them hat tip um, uh, the 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 um, kind of uh, Skynet before there was Skynet uh, <laughs> super super buildings in Metropolis. Right. Um, yeah. 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 So it, it was fa it's fa it was fascinating to watch it for that reason, uh, but at the same time listening to now I've got the artists here listening to like Pat Benatar, John Anderson, Adam Ant, Billy Squire, Loverboy. Bonnie Tyler, Freddie Mercury, different songs, different oh. artists, doing stuff over this, uh, what was supposed to, you know, originally be a silent film with maybe a piano or a symphonic soundtrack. It was like, I, I, okay, you know. <laughs> I mean, oh, I love oh. me some Bonnie Tyler. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, so yeah, did, and he, were, did they all bring their own songs or did he write them or did he just produce them or, or that I'm not that sure work? on okay. but I will tell you that based on the the other work that he has done I would bet that he was probably involved in producing it with them because okay, cool. it seems like the biggest thing that he it seems like the the thing he did was was produce and mix you yeah. know um, and and so I would guess that it was probably one of those where by this point, you know, because at this point you've got, he's got the Donna, the Donna summer, two Donna summer albums under his belt, Blondie, David Bowie, Midnight Express, um, Scarface. I would assume by this point when he, when the announcement goes out to the Hollywood community and to the recording artist community, they're like, Oh hell yeah. We want to work with Giorgio Moroder, you know? Right? Yeah. 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 So, um, but then he tops that. In 1986, where he works with Harold Faltermeyer. Harold Faltermeyer did um, the instrumental soundtrack for 48 Hours, uh, Eddie Murphy. No, oh, wait. okay, it, yeah, yeah. It, have I got it wrong? It's 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 48 Hours, right? 48 Duh. Hours is Eddie Murphy and yeah, yeah, uh, Nick right. Nolte, yeah. Yeah, right. So Harold Faltermeyer, uh, who is, his DJ name is Axel F. The, whenever you Axel think F, of... Beverly Hills Cop. Exactly. Yeah, that's Harold Faltermeyer. So, oh, okay. Harold Faltermeyer uh, does the soundtrack for, and Giorgio Moroder produces the um, the singing vocal songs for Top Gun. Oh so, no way! Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this is about big soundtracks. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, so this is this is like when I when I say this is the 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 turning point, this is the cornerstone. Um, it's because you've got these two um, synth pop electronica giants, yeah. um, basically impacting the way that people think a movie should sound 
for almost 10 to 15 years afterwards, right? Um, yeah, I mean, because really, you, that, yeah, that soundtrack had a big uh, wake. Yeah, you have a you, big wake. Yeah, you you think of like the beginning of Top Gun. I, we just watched it with the girls earlier tonight. The beginning of Top Gun drops straight from you have this slow fade in on the aircraft carrier, the F-14 Tomcats, etc. Um, playing the Harold Faltermeyer instrumental soundtrack, or it's all synth, synth soundtrack, um, you know, and you got the rock guitar, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and it's like awesome. And then there's a, there's a cut and there, and the jump cut is really well-timed. They jump from showing all the, the, the Air, Air Force and Navy guys on the carrier deck getting the Tomcats ready to launch to they drop right into Highway to the Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins at the same time that one of the Tomcats turns on its engines and blasts its way off of the carrier deck. It's yeah, it's yeah. a really well-timed cut. Um, it, it From an audio perspective, it feels a little bit janky because this this epic soundtrack has been playing behind it, and then it goes straight into coming into that, you know. But that's but just that's, the kind of cut that would be made by yeah. a machine. <laughs> dun -dun -dun. <laughs> to be fair, Giorgio Moroder at this point was writing checks his body can't cash. Um, <laughs> sorry, you can't see myself. it, but I just. I just uh, bit really close to the to the, the laptop. Right, right. Val Kilmer bit really close to Tom right, Cruise. Right, right. In yeah. one of the stupidest threats ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you, 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 you can't see me, Dan, but it's because I'm inverted. Um, anyway. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's enough. We need to stop. <laughs> stop me before I buzz your tower. <laughs> Ooh, that Negative dirty. Ghost Rider. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I did not mean he, that to sound PG thirteen. Yeah, well, I'm gonna take direct offense to it. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, then I'm gonna ride a motorcycle past your house very morosely, um, <laughs> and and mourn the death of my co-pilot who. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I don't he, care. That needs to be one of those. Uh, one of those funny uh, closed captions on the DVDs is rides motorcycle <laughs> sullenly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somber motorcycle in right. distance. Right, right. It's like my my favorite <laughs> Star Wars caption is sad booping noises. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've all had those. Yep. <laughs> I know your pain. Sad, uh, <laughs> All right, so he um, he is directly involved in um, the the backup um, instrumental, well, not instrumental, but like the synth audio on Highway to the Danger Zone and on Take My Breath Away, which are like oh, two of Berlin. the songs of the '80s, right? So Kenny Speaking Loggins, Highway Germans. to the Danger Zone. Right, and then and then Berlin, take my breath away. He's he's involved in helping to do some of the backup audio on that. So they both both of those songs end up with a little bit of that synthy uh, sound, and that 
also impacts the ultimate sound of the the Top Gun soundtrack because Faltermeyer was doing was scoring the soundtrack and taking cues from Giorgio Moroder as he would finish a song because Moroder produced five different songs on that soundtrack and then as they were dropping them into place Faltermeyer was going back and listening to what Moroder had done and going okay I can I can copy the, the sound of that in in the in the rest of the movie so that we carry on this kind of audio narrative theme yeah okay. so it became the songs became or the not even the songs the production of the songs became yeah. motifs right like exactly light motifs throughout the movie interesting right. wow right yeah and that's pretty cool and all of it and i mean when you think of an 80s movie with a a soundtrack that had just like you said i think your your word was right ripple effect i mean top gun is is definitely up there you know yeah. um it's right up and, there with howard the duck <laughs> Wait. right no <laughs> yeah no, yep. tremors i think yep. no yeah. critters yeah, it's right up yeah. there with Galactica 1980, where their motorcycles <laughs> turn into jets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you know what it's right up there with? What? Is uh, Be Somebody or Be Somebody. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Be Somebody. I can't. I shouldn't. Roots. Nope, nope. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Anger. You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you're from. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> The worst part is that as we've gotten older, there are certain bits of that that I acknowledge that I can't make the joke about it anymore because I'm like, it. it's not that it's culturally inappropriate. It's that it's just that there are so many bits to be somebody or be somebody's fool that are silly for right reasons, for wrong reasons, and for cringy reasons altogether. And, Very cringy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And... There are bits, there, there are so many, so many bits of, of Be Somebody where I'm just like, oh my God, this is funny. I, I can't say why this is funny, but this is funny, you know? It's the, anyway. the second cringiest thing Fergie ever did. <laughs> and possibly the first cringiest thing that Belle Viv DeVoe ever did. Oh, Wait, yeah, it absolutely. was Belle. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. So, 86, Top Gun, it it kind of sets the bar for the stuff that Giorgio is going to be involved in from there on in. Um, he, um, he kind of stepped away after that and, and he transitioned from doing movie soundtracks at that point to, he was less frequently involved in movie soundtracks and more so in, um, he would come up with the incidental music and, and the main themes for sports events through the 1990s including um he did the soundtracks to the los angeles olympics the seoul olympics the fifa world cup and um huh. several other minor sports events um i mean that makes sense when you think of like you know sports jams right and right yeah i mean anytime you you know like john tesh's uh nba theme music that right. you know that that guitar theme right. song yeah, you yeah, think of like that, I mean you, it, it yeah. slips right in there, yeah. Right. You think of Sports Center, right? Like ESPN Sports Center, like da na da na It's like, oh yeah, of course, absolutely that makes yeah. sense for somebody 
who's had a background in electronica and pop to be doing those type of things because that's that's borrowing from this audio landscape of excitement that's already yes. been built and it's easy to just make people pay attention with high impact you know bangy music like that so yeah and if you know. you're you know if you are a you know a guy on tv who wears a gray suit and talks about sports and you're like i need a good you know soundtrack for my show right if you're if you're a, a, a retired athlete in a big gray suit you know you're gonna really like top gun yeah like, get me yeah. that guy right right yeah, so, yeah i mean that's it totally exactly makes it. sense yeah yeah i mean you're gonna start with bjork and then when bjork is not available yeah. you're gonna call marauder yeah i'm sorry well you know i think for this song i would like <laughs> to, to think about this the sex life of the flowers right okay right, i think right. we're gonna go with the top gun guy actually <laughs> thank you for coming in this was a great getting to know you meeting right Right, right, right. We're so, gonna... Bjork, uh, for this transition between second and third quarter, we were thinking of something high intense to get people excited about the fact, Oh, but I play dead! I could sing I play dead in three octaves high! <laughs> <laughs> what about... All right. We kid because we love. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah, it. She's great. Yeah. Oh, my God. I uh, She did this... Um, she went back and completely redid all of the vocals for Army of Me when she did um, she oh, did wow. a version of Army of Me that was on the soundtrack to the album Sucker Punch. And the movie Sucker Punch on its own is oh, yeah. kind of really bad and <laughs> kind of really sexist, right? But but the, the album for Sucker Punch slaps. It is okay. amazing. And she redid all the vocals. She did this like semi full big band instrumental backed up version of army of me which includes a a, a drop down into in a like a brief uh, instrumental interlude before she comes back at full force just like Ooh. destroying the microphone um uh and and it's this it what starts as like a three minute song when she originally did army of me becomes this seven to eight minute audio tapestry that backs up the main character learning that she has this like psychological power and she's like slashing the daylights out of these samurai that are like 10 feet taller than her it's an amazing scene Whoa. it's just that the, it's couched with the rest of the movie though it's just like that's a really really good scene in a really really weird movie you know but yeah interesting that, that's that version of army of me is so 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 good oh my god yeah, oh, yeah. anyway sorry uh we'll have to do one on bjork now um <laughs> <laughs> all right so marauder comes oh, back okay. in the 2000s that's another Zack snyder movie it's uh it is uh the middle of the night uh, saturday night march 20th and we were before we started recording we were talking about how we uh, I saw the Snyder cut, and yeah, yeah. is gonna watch it soon. Yep, yep. My buddy. I think yes. immediately following this, and we'll just watch it till the sun comes up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll watch it until uh, our eyeballs bleed out. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a shameless plug. My buddy uh, Steve Radzinski, who uh, 
um, put me in his movies, and I appreciate that. Um, he does uh, a he's got a cult horror movie out that's called Karis Hell, uh, which is about yep. a uh, evil demon unicorn come to life from a carousel. Um, check it out. Uh, he is awesome. I, I love Steve for the fact that he put me in his movie and for the fact that he has been my DC Comics liaison. So anytime that I have any questions about DC, I, I jump on um, the Zuck hole and I say, I have no idea where I'm supposed to be with what the hell's going on with Batman in this movie or this TV <laughs> show or why did so-and-so come out of the woodwork in Gotham? And, and Steve yeah. is right there. And he's like, well, if you check this and you, you know, watch this episode. And I'm like, oh, you're the best. So, Give yes. A spoiler alert. Yeah. The Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. About three hours in, Detective Chimp comes in. And, uh, I don't know. If you're lying, see, that's what I was about to say. Wouldn't that I was be like, great, though, as if soon Detective as you said Chip that showed up and you were like, well, wait a minute, this movie just took a left turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was it, be it was awesome. It would be that same level of left turn awesomeness as when they did the uh, Howard the Duck cameo at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? right. <laughs> like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> It's like, yeah, give it I, to me. Yeah, this is weird as fuck. I'm, I'm ready. Detective you know? Chimp. Or like if yeah. Amazing Man showed up. Amazing right, Man right. was cool. Right. Or, uh, Mixelplick. If Mixel 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 Mixelplick showed up. Yeah. Night. Yeah. Right. Who's the other dude <laughs> who went around with Amazing Man? I don't remember. Who cares? Or freaking Bizarro. <laughs> oh, anything with Bizarro. Is yeah, great. if Bizarro just kind of clubs his way on, on, on screen. <laughs> I am you, but backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh... With Georgia, we got we got up to ninety. Oh, he takes right. a break. you're talking about. Whoops. Uh, yeah, that's all right. He takes a break through the nineties, two thousands. He comes back, um, and when he comes back, he really comes back with a freaking bang. Um, he comes back. He does his own album, and then he goes on to do a. Um, he does this solo uh, studio album, uh, which is called Deja Vu, and it includes collaborations with fucking Kylie Minogue. Britney Spears, Whoa. Sia, Whoa. Charlie XCX, Mickey Eco. Um, th- th- there's a variety of other Euro pop this artists is that what? were listed. 2000? This is, uh, uh, I think it was 2013. Uh, oh, 2012, okay. something like that. Um, and then the neat bit, cool. the, the, the thing that I really feel bookends this episode. Oh, right. I guess that, if Sia was on it, that wouldn't be 2000. Yeah, it was okay. 2014, 2015, something like that. Okay, um, cool. But the, the, this is the bit that I really <laughs> like, is that um, Giorgio also worked with Daft Punk to compose the music to the soundtrack for the video game Tron Run. Daft Punk had recently, back in 2010, done the music for the movie Tron Legacy, and then oh, somewhere nice. in the middle there, around 2012, 2013, Daft Punk has Giorgio on so that they can record him describing his story himself for, for the track Giorgio Bar- the by Marauder. Yeah, yeah. That, awesome. Yeah. And and so that, <coughs> that kind of, that wraps it up. I have a I have a big thing, kind of a paragraph conclusion down here at the bottom. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of bang through it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the uh, biggest thing that comes up in all of the research into Georgia is that his real success comes from taking the Moog modulator and synthesizer equipment and popularizing it. The Kraftwerk was doing work with Moogs and building custom vocoders, creating custom drum machines, etc. And many of the uh, equipment created by Kraftwerk holds the innovative patents, but Georgia was less interested in creating new technology and more interested in taking a sound that he had come to enjoy through the 60s and the 70s with the existing equipment and applying it to pop music. He, he never got tired of calling um, electronica the quote-unquote sound of the future. And that's kind of been a term that he kept keep. He, that's a phrase he keeps coming back to. Um, and that's that, sort of the the ethos of of pop music ever since then is. Yeah. Here's a brand new thing. Right. How can we make a cool song with it? Right. Exactly. Here's a new development. How right. How can we use it rather than let's build a new thing? It's no. Oh, someone made a thing. What? Right. I'm going to play with it. How do we put it out in the world so the rest of the world can digest it and enjoy it? And that yeah. was Marauder's thing. He was more interested in this is pre this is pretty neat, and it's not mine, but I am impressed with it. And I want to make sure that do you know credits given where credits due. But at the same time, the world needs to hear this, you know. And yeah. so he he did that. He did that with that that uh, that quote unquote sound of the future, the 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 synth straight four four time. And although he is not the founder of European electro uh, electro pop and electronica, he is definitely one of the 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 founding uh, fathers of it. You know, um, very cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah. All right. So the last bit I got here is I have a it's it's a very abbreviated discography, and a lot of these we've already mentioned at this point, but it's it's. The songs that are now uh, part of our uh, kind of popular cultural lexicon, um, they're the ones that if you mention them to somebody in a bar, well, we're now in COVID, so nobody goes to bars anymore. <laughs> um, if you mention it to somebody in a Zoom chat, they'll go, oh, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you got Chase, which is the theme from Midnight Express, 1978. Okay. Um, you have his album From Here to Eternity, 1977. Mm. Um, you have I Feel Love by Donna Summer, 1977. Fabulous. Hot Stuff by Donna Summer, 1979. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Classic. Yep. It, Valley of the Dolls, which was a song on the soundtrack for Foxes, mm. 1980. Um, obviously, Take My Breath Away by Berlin. Yeah. Kenny Loggins, Highway to the Danger Zone, both of which are 1986. Blondie, 1980. Tony Montana's theme on the Scarface soundtrack, 1983. And then him working with David Bowie, uh, uh, David Bowie doing uh, Cat People, 1982. But that's, the thing is, that's just his um, 70s, 80s discography. He has so many more songs and so many of them are now it, it's it's not just him making them himself it's Marauder featuring Britney Spears Marauder featuring <laughs> right. Kylie Minogue Kylie Minogue featuring Marauder um, you know uh, Sia featuring Marauder um, Daft Punk featuring Marauder it's it's he's he's found this amazing way because of his 
enjoyment of this sound uh, and and his the, all of the the work that he put in through the 80s you know especially in those songs now allows him to do all of this and he's still alive and he's still touring there's oh, these wow, great cool. pictures of him yeah there's these great pictures of him if you if you google image search him he looks like like he looks like everybody's favorite like funky uncle that you really can't wait till he shows up at the family reunion who's going to tell you crazy stories it, it, wearing like a wearing like you know a beats by dre headset with like a laptop and three mixers in front of him um and and he's just i just i just image searched him and yeah yeah it's a pretty good description yeah 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 he's he's and you know all of the 80s pictures of him are like a quintessential 80s italian dude stereotype he's got the (laughs) The, the big sunglasses and the equally big mustache. The um, mustache is pretty epic. It's an amazing mustache. Yeah, it really is. It's I a mean, Borat it's mustache. Like, I mean, I'm going to be derisive here, but it's a Borat mustache. It's it Borat, really is. It's, it's if, yeah, like Father yeah. Guido Sarducci yeah. really wishes he looked like this dude. Right, right. It's it's Tom Selleck cannot hold a candle to this mustache. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And so, oh wow! You know, I found a picture where he has Ringo Starr's '90s beard, yeah, and hairline, yeah. and he's wearing a uh, a sports jacket, no shirt, mm-hmm. and a gold medallion on his hairy chest. It's like yep. yes, yep. And you this, know what? This dude has earned like, it. He looks like a drug lord on Miami Vice. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's absolutely it. Yeah, and the pictures of him at his house. It's like the house is absolutely every every like image you can conjure mentally of what would a 1980s music producer's house look like. As soon as you see it, it's like, oh yeah, of course, yep, oh, there it is, like that, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> cool. Clear clear glass tables, giant ivory sculptures. It's like, yeah, of course, you know. But yeah, oh, so he's man. a. He's a pretty kicking dude. He's still alive. He's still touring. He did Coachella a few years back. So yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and and he is, um, you know, to wrap it all together, uh, he is um, very much responsible for the reason that um, 80 soundtracks sounded the way that they did. The reason that electronica is what it is today. And he is definitely one of the many founding fathers of techno and electronica, and and so that's my thing on Giorgio. Very cool, and like you say, yeah. like you know, I mean, a big hit like Highway to the Danger Zone, or Take My Breath Away, or even right. you know, Hot Stuff or Call Me. Like, yeah, these right. are big hits, but the. F- the influence on the sound of every mm-hmm. movie soundtrack for a decade. Uh-huh. Exactly. That is huge. That is so yeah. much bigger than yeah. even like a David Bowie influence on the yeah. 80s. And or, it's jaw-dropping. You know, Devo's it's... influence on the 80s. Like that right. is enormous. Right. And and it's jaw-dropping as you as you scroll through his wiki 
or you scroll through like his his um, uh, produced by on like IMDb. He it's just like piece after piece, hit after hit, mm. famous artist after famous artist. It, it, he just he he rubbed elbows with with so many greats yeah. from like seventy nine onwards. It's wild. Yeah, I just I I was really floored. When you know, because all of this started with you know this one track on the Daft Al- uh, Daft Punk album, and he's like, you know, my name is Giovanni Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio, and I was like, <laughs> okay, what? Well, I got to find out about this guy, and it's like, holy crap, wow, okay, uh, this is a person that I feel like the rest of the world should know about, you know? Heck so, yes, yeah. So that's it. That's really, that's really cool. All I got. I yeah, man. It. All right, so uh, I, that was quick, short, and sweet, but uh, you know it was really awesome. And and uh, yeah, go go listen to uh, Giorgio Moroder, um, and then after that, um, go listen to Daft Punk <laughs> <laughs> again. Yes, again. Well, man, right. I I love that. Thank you. I definitely learned a lot of that. And yeah, man, thanks for broadening my mind on that. I you're uh, welcome. You're welcome. I think I'm glad I might you enjoy go, it. I think I might listen to some craft work tomorrow for the first time. It's one of those things that's been on my periphery for 20 years and I've yeah. just never gone over and given it a try. You know what? I, 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 having just listened to Audubon earlier today, I'll, I'll tell you, my experience was this. I put it on. Uh, I, you know, I was sitting there uh, doing doing some writing on this episode, getting some work done, and letting it play in the background. And I was like, this could have been released yesterday. This could oh, have been wow. released two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, it's it's so it it it's it, it's so modern. It, I, I mean, it's it's like there's bits of it that obviously date itself, but the fact that that Kraftwerk well, I mean, is doing yeah, I mean, it's thirty five years old. <laughs> right, right. Well, no, forty five years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yikes. Especially with Autobahn seventy four to present. Yeah. Um, there's there's bits of it where you've got the very kind of 80s datedness but then this some of the stuff that Kraftwerk is doing um it 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 sounds like it fell out of uh you know i don't know like a you know um fatboy slim is not a good example but um uh like a prodigy album out of the 90s you know it's it's very interesting how modernized Autobahn really was, I guess. I guess Interesting. Yeah. And and then and then I kind of experienced the same when I started listening to some of Giorgio's album as well. Um it's it's kind of the same experience where it's like this is surprisingly modern. And it's really cool. It, you know, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Check it out. Check, 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 check it out. Check I it will out. do just that, my good man. Sweet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Um, right on. Well, who's, with who's... that, Aaron, I'm gonna have you play us out with that sweet right. outro music. <laughs> it's Dan and Aaron like a Rama, ladies and gentlemen. See you next time. I could do this for a while. <laughs> Are you on a loop? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Are you plugged uh, in? Essentially, I was. <laughs> <laughs>